Mariah, I appreciate you for joining. I actually don't even remember how I came across your profile anymore. It's been so long since we were <laughs> we were trying to schedule this. Maybe it was on TikTok, perhaps. Yeah. Do you do a lot of yeah. TikTok? Um, I honestly like I'm here and there. I'm bad with consistency. Um, but when I'm in the flow of everything, then I grind a lot out at once. Um, but sometimes the TikTok algorithm is like so annoying that I just get discouraged. So I feel you on that. Do you do any YouTube? No, no. YouTube can make you really humble yourself because you can post uh, the YouTube shorts and sometimes you post and you can get like 17,000 views. And then like the very next day you post like similar content and you get like three. It's like pretty wild. <laughs> That's wild. So I don't, I go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying that's how I feel about TikTok though. I feel like I'll post something and it'll go viral and then the next like 20 posts have like 300 views and I'm like Yeah. No, it's hard to uh it's hard to gauge the algorithm. I I I would I went on like a 4 month streak trying to like work it and like researching and like the best way, best time to post, but I don't think there is. I think I don't know like if there really is an algorithm. Or if it even knows what it's really doing. Honestly, I really don't know. And it's like weird how there will be videos that somebody's doing literally nothing in a video and it goes viral. And it's like, yeah. you'll put so much time and effort into one and it does so bad. And it's like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Do you like those ones where they say uh, it's the it's the audio and it's like, post this, use this sound and your, your video will go viral? Those are always funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I also have seen that. I haven't personally like tried it out, but um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people post that. Like, oh, if you use this audio, like you'll blow up. <laughs> Those are always funny. So, Mariah, yeah. in introduce yourself. You're a, uh, I'm, I know you're a model, but what else do you do? So yes, hi, I'm Mariah. Um, uh, I am a model, and I do personal designing for clothes. Um, and I also work for a weed company. Um, a what company? A weed company. Really? Cannabis. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I also take pictures of other people and edit them for Instagram, which is kind of funny. Like the little influencer, like, you know, side of, um, what I do. And yeah, that's pretty much it right now. And that's I'm kind of getting into acting a little bit, but, um, I'm just dipping my toes in for now. Are you originally from California? No, I'm from an ups like a really small town in upstate New York called Ithaca. Okay. It's like thirty thousand people. <laughs> That's pretty big though. Yeah. Um It's big, but it's it's also a college town. It okay. has Cornell University and Ithaca College. So Did you move out to uh, California in hopes of doing the Hollywood dream? Or is there some another reason? Well, um I first moved to Miami. Um, during COVID and particular reason is because I didn't want to get vaccinated. So I went to Florida, especially because New York was super strict on like the rules and everything. So I was in Miami for about two and a half years. And then last year, which is crazy because now it marks a year that I've been in LA because last year at Coachella, this girl convinced me to move to LA. So that was a year ago today or about, you know, this week. And um, so I moved here because, like, my intuition was just telling me, like, oh, like, there's more opportunity here for modeling and career sort of thing. But did I come out here being like, oh, I'm going to move to L.A. to be the, like, next star, like, you know, everyone thinks? Like, no. 
I just was like, I think it will provide me more opportunities. So I did move here for that purpose. Um, and yeah. That's that's quite the contrast, moving from New York to Florida to back to uh, a similar place like California, right? Yeah. Is it is it better than New York, do you think, as far as like, I guess COVID, like all the lockdowns are, are now over in California. Is there anything lingering around? Um, Not really, no, no. But I would definitely not say that California, in my opinion, is better than New York Um, for, for a couple different reasons. Are you one of those like New York girls that <laughs> in the first five minutes, you're going to tell somebody that you're from New York? Unless they ask, no. <laughs> we always, oh, so I'm from Texas, so you probably make fun of Texas people too. But uh, <laughs> when I was uh, in, in college, at uh, we always just make fun of the people that were from New York because they would let you know that they're from New York. And it was like, you know, after 9-11, so it was like fresh on everybody's mind. Um, yeah. So were you... I mean- if, like when I I've definitely in the past like if I'm mad I'll be like I'm from New York like you know <laughs> like, I'll, like I'll bring it up then <laughs> but like and be like I don't know like you know you, you don't fuck with people from New York like I'll bring it up like that but never be like hi my name's Ryan from New York like <laughs> yeah so do, are you liking California it's been a year are you are you digging it no no I'm gonna be honest no why not I'm here like I said for work so yes i think it's good for work and for business and it's pretty it has like some of its perks but the homeless population is out of control it's dangerous Mm. um even living in the safest neighborhood like west hollywood um there's shootings that literally happened in my building last year that i just found out um about yesterday actually and they're shooting last week down the street and like there's just like no like sense of security that i feel of being safe um and then there's also like again um especially because of the type of work that i'm in there's just a lot of people in the industry that are very egotistical very driven by clout Mm. um by instagram following and i just don't really get along with people that are so shallow yeah um so it's hard for me to connect with people here um and it's just that's like the biggest problem i would say i have here and the reason i don't really enjoy it that much is because of that reason you know just not trying like trying to find genuine people is just so rare here, yeah you know? no it's got to be tough well the, the kind of work you're in though i imagine you could do that anywhere right you can go back to florida or anywhere and do that type of work and because social media allows you to you know have that influence and and be creative from any location now. So have you, are you thinking about ditching California or what? Um, so I just got signed to an agency here uh-huh. and, um, I am going to be working with them. Um, obviously for how long I'm not sure. I'm kind of just going with the flow of things. Um, but like I said, so I gave Miami two and a half years. Right. And so I think LA will be the same type of time. Because at that point, like I said, a lot of the industry also is like who you know. Mm. And if that person knows you, then maybe they'll connect you with this. And I've been having a lot of that. Whereas if I had never moved here, I wouldn't have the connections that I have now, um, which I am grateful for. And so um, I'm going to continue on that road of like growing my network here and being able to um, utilize that to get any type of um, contracts, modeling gigs, things like that. 
Um, and like I said, I just got signed, so I'm gonna wait to see, you know, what happens with that. And they also can relocate me um, depending on uh, opportunities that I get. So I'm kind of just going with the flow of things, right? Yeah. If you had a magic wand, like what would be your your wish? Would you rather do the modeling or the acting? Modeling, because only because I've been doing modeling longer, so I'm more comfortable in it. Acting is pretty new to me. I've always been told like <clears throat> that I'm funny, but I never really was like into being on stage and like acting in a play or mm. especially not a musical. So I was like, well, I don't really know anything like that. So I'm like going to start with commercials and just like kind of go from there. That's pretty cool. What type of commercials are? Is it, is it pretty much anything's open right now, or do you have a preference? Uh, I'm pretty open to anything. Um, I did a, like, my first, like, act, like, real acting thing I got was a music video that I was the only person in the music video acting out um, a crazy girlfriend that was also an amazing girlfriend, and, like, mm. crime scenes, happy scenes, um, dramatic scenes, and uh, I crushed it, and it did, it, like, did really well, and so um, that was kind of, like, reassuring just to know that, you know, I can do well behind the camera. Um, I'm more into so doing comedy, like, that's kind of my... Uh, my niche because yeah. I'm very um, expressive on my face and people always are like your faces are just so funny that you make so that's kind of like where I'm going with that do you, so do you want to do like like uh, what is it called not not stand-up comedy but where there's no script like off script what is that called um it's called uh, I, I learned just uh, improv uh, improv yeah do you want to do like improv yeah. comedy or what I would probably do improv. The only thing is the reason I can't do scripted is because that does not feel natural to me. Like I cannot be funny under a script. Yeah. I'm naturally just funny. So I'm just naturally going to talk and say something funny that I think is not funny, but everyone else thinks is funny. That's kind of like <laughs> how it just happens. So I feel like if I were to do stand up and I like had a, a like a, a, a script i would just be standing there like this isn't even funny like i i probably forget the lines like so i think like yes um doing things that are more in the moment yeah is, like yeah no i think those i i, I have like a wild hair i want to try uh stand-up comedy i've been saying that for the last year um not because i think i'm funny just because i think it would be cool to try it um, yeah, but the, the thought of going on stage is kind of intimidating, but it, I think it's fun, especially like, I feel like comedians are the gateway yeah. into how people really feel in, uh, in America. Like they're able yeah. to say the things that the vast majority of us really feel and really want to say, but sometimes we're afraid to say, you know, I agree. And, um, that's why I love Dave Chappelle. Mm. He is the funniest guy I think I've ever watched um, because he says what everyone's thinking or at least what I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's another part of why I haven't really gotten into comedy because I know there's the excuse of like, oh, you can say what you want, but what I genuinely believe in, the masses don't. Like mm. the, it's against, you know, the social cue. So it would be tough to stay in alignment without getting canceled for me, I think. So that's also a reason I'm hesitant um because if i was to say a lot of things like yeah they would align with dave Chappelle, but he's been doing this for years so he has a career made you know i can't in this day and age hop out the woodwork and start saying crazy stuff because i'll get canceled right. <laughs> so. 
It's hard. Are you worried about being in that network uh, that you kind of have to toe a line and have a common belief? Cause, uh, there's a, a common thread, I guess, that most people in Hollywood or most actors believe, right? They only believe a certain aspect, whether it's re- religious, whether it's uh, political or, or whatever. They You have to kind of have that, those same beliefs. Are you kind of worried about that? Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely worried about it. I know that there's a really small percentage of people that um, think how I think. But again, it's not it doesn't fit the, you know, social norms and the social standards of what's normal now. Mm. Uh, so I am a little worried just because I don't see eye to eye with um, the majority of people and therefore getting canceled. So that is definitely a worry that I have. And it's like, okay, well, I can still like work my way around it, but then it still wouldn't be authentic to me because I would be changing my viewpoints to fit in. And that's like, against my whole entire like what you know what's different in your mind that you believe that you think the vast majorities don't (laughs) if you feel comfortable talking about if not we can we can pass um i don't support the feminist movement um i think that um it should not be 50 50 in a relationship i think each the part each partner the man and the woman have different roles but they're also very um yin and yang so the female is in her feminine energy and has very specific roles and the male is in his masculine energy and has very specific roles i believe that he should be the breadwinner and provide for his family while the wife cooks and cleans and raises the children that's how I want my marriage to be. That's how I will raise my children, um, doing it myself by being a stay-at-home mom, cooking and cleaning, and I think that's my role as a woman. Girls nowadays are like, nah, I can cook, I don't clean, 50-50, I don't have rights, blah, blah, blah. Like, women have the same rights as men. There, There is no uneven like laws nowadays that are unfair to women. Everything is equal. But they've taken this extremist you know, viewpoint and change it into, oh, well, I don't need a man. I can be independent, blah, blah, blah. Like, and you know, it's, it's one thing to be independent. Yes. You can be an independent, strong woman, but when you come into a relationship with a man, you have to surrender to his masculine energy. There can't be two masculines because it's going to butt heads and there can't be two feminines because it's going to butt heads. That's one standpoint that I do. I just, that's my viewpoint on things. Um, another thing is I, this is going to be extremely controversial, but I don't a hundred percent support the black lives matter movement. I support it. I, and like, let me clarify, right. I support, you know, equal rights, rights for all, but everyone's life does matter. I feel like by saying only black lives matter, that creates a division and it makes you know, some people more angry and then some people just feel like they are not important anymore because it's like, oh, well, why does only this life matter? I think everyone's life matters. And there isn't, you know, there's always going to be in the back of someone's head, like, oh, there's still signs of, um, uh, what's the word? Um, racism? I forgot. Like racism and things like that, right? But why don't we come and unify together and start together becoming one and working on this together instead of saying, oh, well, we need to be divided. We need to do this. We need to do that. Like if we come into it as a whole and as 
to work together, I think a lot more can be done than just by separating and conquering by, oh, well, we're going to separate ourselves from this and we're going to do that. Also, there is um, proven factual um, uh, documents and ev evidence that uh, the people that were getting the profits from Black Lives Matter were getting yachts, mansions. Like, there wasn't funding going to the, the entire... Um, the movement of what it... The movement, yeah. right? So if that's what you're spending your money on, then that kind of is very hypocritical to the whole entire movement when you're trying to support Black Lives Matter. Like, if this was something that you really want to do, why don't you put that money into funding for uh, cultural schools and education and uh, getting the um, low-income houses uh, renovated, updated? Like, why aren't you actually putting the money towards something that would be like beneficial for black lives matter. Right. Like why are you spending it on yachts and all these like, you know, richest things. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. So again, it's like you have a movement that I understand and the basis makes sense of what you're trying to do, but the outcome and the active movement, you're just like not doing anything and the money's going in the wrong places. So I can't support that unless it was going to the right places and they were doing the right things to resolve this problem. Um, so that's just like another thing. I feel you on uh, that. So being Hispanic, I, I get really passionate about, you know, diversity and inclusion. I work in a corporate environment and my company talks about diversity and inclusion. And whenever we do hiring or, you know, I sit on a bunch of interview panels and I get asked to sit on interview panels because I'm Hispanic because the interview panel has to be, uh, you know, they have to have a diversity of, of people on the interview panel. So there'll be a white person, there'll be a lady and there'll be a typical, you know, maybe another guy and another white guy. And then there's me, the Hispanic, the token minority on the, on the team. And to me, that just doesn't seem authentic. That seems yeah, like, like it's uh, I, well, I'm, I'm not, um, maybe the team really does value my opinion, right? Maybe they really do want to hear what I have to say for hiring this individual that we're interviewing, but the, the bare bones, when you get down to it, I was asked to be on an interview to check a box. Like, okay, well, did you, was your interview team diverse? Yes, we had John. Okay. Well then we're good there. Like that's, that's just a check the box thing. I think, yeah. um, I think people that want to keep us divided and want to promote, you know, diversity and inclusion and want to keep perpetuating racism and all that crap, I, they have a job and they, they, this is how they get money. This is how they raise funds. This is how they keep their family fed and they need to do that. But I genuinely feel like in 10, 15, 20 years from now, like people like you, you were mentioning all these uh, ethnicities and these different bloodlines that you have in you and myself and and my kids. My kids are half white, half Hispanic. I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that in the next 20 to 30 years. They just won't because everyone is – there's a lot of mixed couples now. Um, and the way that information flows today – it won't allow that uh, those uh, those those stories to continue like that. It won't allow um, divisive information because the truth is going to come out. And I think I think at the core of us, we're all really good people, and 
I think the that factor of us all mixing with each other. You got black people with white people and Mexican people with with black people. Like it, the racism is just not going to be a good a good argument or a good uh, foot to stand on anymore. And again, a lot of these movements, like the um, feminists, like the Black Lives Matter, like they all have very good um, original. Um, goals and viewpoints that i agree on but then they take it to this like extreme where then division is created Hmm. and it's like it it defeats the whole purpose and i really genuinely think that people aren't aware because you know they're they're in their opinion and they're in their mind that they can't see the bigger picture like wait a second where is this funding going to where should it be going to what should we be doing that's actually beneficial and doesn't cause more drama doesn't cause more division but again people are ruled by their egos so they're not going to be you know aware of the bigger picture if they're thinking they're always right or they're always like not reading the factual you know information about it and again like i said if the money and the funding was going towards things that were beneficial like helping people of low income um helping people of color in school and education systems and things like that that would be one thing and there's not any like proof that that's where all this money's going. In fact, there's proof of other ones. Yeah. And the same thing with women's rights that they claim that they don't have, you know, like <laughs> what rights do you not have? And what, you know, uh, the whole abortion thing, I get that like standpoint. Um, but again, where is this funding going to? What is being beneficial for this movement? And that's why it's just like, I think it's a, a good target, but they just missed the target. Yeah, no, I I agree with what you're saying, and I I think what you believe in your stance, I think a lot of other people believe it too. They might be afraid to to say it, but I think what you believe and what you said, uh, there's a lot more people out there that believe similarly to the way you believe, especially in the feminist movement too. Can you? Uh, it's it's kind of funny that, not I don't know if it's funny, but. Women work so fucking hard now <laughs> to to raise kids, to have the kids, and now they're working, you know, 80-hour weeks, some of them, and they still end up doing a little bit more of the at-home work. So we've promoted the feminist movement. I heard this great – it was a, a piece. I think it was a, a, a comedian. He was, he was telling a joke about it, but he was like – like the feminist movement's fucking crazy. Like 20 years ago, women were staying home, taking care of the kids and not stressed out. Now all the women are fucking on, they're taking anxiety medication. They're, uh, they're killing themselves because of, uh, how stressed they are nowadays. Cause they got to go to school. They got to hold a job. They got to raise the kids. They got to do all this stuff. Um, and it's just a, it's a different perspective, different way of life than what our, probably our parents did. Um, but I bet, do you think you believe the way you do in regards to the feminist movement because of how you were raised? Um, I was actually raised by, so I was adopted mm. and the lady who adopted me was around, I would say 65. So she was already, um, like a grandma age and she was a professor at Cornell and she was very successful. She was, um, very independent and she raised us on her own. But 
there was like a lot of trauma and abuse in my childhood. So I can't say anything that I learned from my trauma was positive, except the way that I know that I don't want to treat people and um, working through my trauma and things like that. So I don't think any of my viewpoints are actually um, based on her because a lot of the things that, you know, part of the experience that I had growing up, we never saw eye to eye. Mm. It's a very extremist on one side of things. And it was always her way or there's just no like uh, trying to negotiate or compromise on anything. And because she's a professor, she was like, oh, well, I know everything, you know? <laughs> so I don't think, yeah, I don't think any of my viewpoints are from her or examples of her. And yeah, it's uh, it was also her choice, obviously, to um, be a professor. Like that was her, her, uh, her one passion in life, I could say. And we were kind of just like left to the side. So again, yeah, I, I don't think any of my big points well, come from her. Did, did you have another mentor that you could look up to or seek guidance from as you were growing up? I did. Um, it was actually her younger sister, um, my aunt Gerald who lived in Georgia and her husband, Uncle Michael, and he was a police officer and she was a teacher. Uh, and I confided in her a lot. She was like my mother figure growing up. Uh, and I would stay with her during the summers. Um, and that's where she taught me a lot about like boundaries, self-respect, speaking up for yourself. Um, because I, she knew, you know, what was going on. And, uh, she kind of taught me as I got older how to stand up for myself, but that actually ended up backfiring um, in a lot of ways. And she did this like really, like right before I went to college, um, it was a really messed up situation and she like completely fucked me over. And um, I haven't spoken to her since. And I did call her out for the things that she did to me, but she was the closest thing to a mother and like somebody that I confided in a lot until that happened. Yeah. Um, and after that, it was just, yeah, nobody else. So you had a rough childhood. I mean, yeah. you look like you're, you're well put together. How did, did you just know how to navigate life? Uh, Cause I would imagine if you had a rough childhood, you were abused. Were you sexually abused? Not sexually, thank no. God, but physically, emotionally, mentally, um, very bad. Like things that, um, it's very hard for me to talk about sometimes um i have obviously like gotten therapy and you know gotten help and really healed a lot of wounds and i'm actually going to be writing a book to expose her wow. because like i said she was a, a tenured professor at cornell who um everyone saw as amazing but behind closed doors she was a completely different person and so no one believed us and i'm referring to my younger sister and i um, and I'm also going to be exposing the people that did know and did nothing about it. Um, just because I want to inspire people, you know, especially being a good looking, you know, female, everyone's like, oh, you must have everything handed to you. You probably had a golden life, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I moved out when I was 17. I did go to college and I did do everything on my own. And from that day on that I graduated high school, I've been on my own. And I, even as a kid, I felt like I was on my own because I didn't have a reliable source of love, of connection, of anything like that. Um, so yeah, I've been on my own. I did everything on my own. And did I have an idea of how to adult or be who like be a good person? It's like I learned that on my own. Just yeah. 
by experience of life, you know? And uh, I think, like, propelling myself into moving to Miami really got me to, like, love myself and become who I am as a person. Um, But because of the things that I went through, I think I matured a lot faster than people my age. So, How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 22? Yeah. No way. (laughs) Yeah. Dang! Yeah, you 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 carry yourself with a lot of maturity. I'm thir- I'm 34, and I don't carry that myself with that with that much maturity. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have went either way with you, right? You could have went to the left or the right, and it sounds like you went the right way, and you found that's that's pr- that's very inspirational, though. I don't like it, yeah. you could have you could be doing drugs or porn or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that's wild. And it, it is it is sad because. My younger sister went the other way, mm. and it was—it's always been a really struggle, like very, very hard struggle um, for me because I always, obviously, wanted the best for her, and I still want the best for her, always will. Um, but she just doesn't like me. It's like the weirdest relationship, and it has been since we were kids. It was always a love-hate relationship, and it was always very bipolar. And sometimes she would love me, sometimes she would hate me, and like right now we're months without talking because mm. she just ignores me. She just doesn't want to talk to me. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from resentment of like jealousy or insecurity or comparing herself to me. I don't know. Like, it's very hard to say, you know, and she has a baby and she's like in this terrible relationship. That's also very abusive. And just, she's still in the same hometown, you know, and like, it's just, it's sad to see, you know, and that's another thing, like, I've really struggled with, trying to, like, pull her up with me, but she just doesn't want the help. So that was another really hard thing of, like, letting that go and still trying to, to – letting her know that I'm there for her, but there's not much I can do, you know? Is it your your blood sister? So we have different dads with the oh. same mom. Mm, that's tough. Yeah, you know, she could be – if it's – if you've kind of always had your head on your shoulders correctly, it could be you make her feel uncomfortable because of yeah. you know of, of how you carry yourself the goals you have the aspiration you have you people like that um I always I, do you listen to, to jocko jocko willink okay yeah you gotta he's um sometimes it's Wait, a little, let's write that down oh you're good go ahead okay it's what his name's uh jocko willink um oh god let me look it up real quick Jocko, what? What's the last one? I'm gonna look Willing? it up. Willink Jocko, hold on. Uh, so it's just called the Jocko Podcast. Okay. Um, Is it J A C O? J O C K O. Okay. And it's very, uh, it's very like motivational, um, like a self reliant, like holding yourself accountable. And he, uh, his podcast today actually talked about that was, um, you know, people that you think are your friends or your family and they don't want to be, um, or maybe your relationship is strained is because they, they feel uncomfortable. You're making them uncomfortable around you. So it could be something like that. I I definitely think it's that, um, especially because as a kid, because I wanted to please the lady who adopted us so much because I just wanted to be perfect. I had perfect grades. I played sports. I did instruments. I did everything I could to be a well-rounded child, you know, and always achieving perfectionism. 
Whereas my sister was like, fuck school. She like failed out of school all the time, like did drugs, like just was like the problem child, you know? And I always, again, even growing up, tried to help her then. But it was like she was set on her path and she went that way. And it is what it is. But it hurts because it's like, with the type of person that I am, I have tried everything mm. and I kept pushing and I kept pushing to help her. And it's, it's hard that your own sister, like, doesn't even like you yeah. for no good reason, even like, you know, so it's like, it sucks, but it's, well, it's part of the, yeah. Well, if she's still young too, you know, she has some, some growing up to do. So maybe she'll, you know, yeah. wise up in a couple of years and, Especially if y'all are sisters. Are y'all the only siblings? Yeah. Yeah. We have another um, sister, different dad again, but she wasn't adopted. She was, um, she's like 12, I think now. And she's still with our birth mom. Hmm. And we did um, meet our birth mom probably like 2016, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I'm not close with her at all. Dang, that's tough. So you said you went to school. What did you get your, your degree in? Uh, criminal law with a minor yep. in business administration and marketing. Oh, that's cool. I So I did a, my, I did a, I have two degrees. One in criminal justice was my first one. Couldn't really, I didn't, uh, I tried to be a state trooper here in Texas. And uh-huh. I, you know, did the physical and all that crap. And then I did the lie detector portion. And one of the questions was, have you ever done illegal drugs? Something like that. And I was like, no. And they kept going back to that question. And the, it was like the, the person, the integrator, the, whoever was doing it was like, I'm going to need you to be like, he got like real stern with me. He's like, I'm going to need you to start being honest with me. Like, and I've never, like, I, I never did drugs until that point. Like I would, I didn't do any. And I, for some yeah. reason, couldn't pass that part of the test. So they thought I was lying. So yeah, I didn't become a state trooper. So anyway, I have a criminal justice degree. And then I, I just finished my industrial engineering degree. Oh, nice. So, yeah. But I don't want to use any of them. I want to do podcasting and content creation and stuff like that. That's what I like doing. Yeah. I'm not using mine either. Just because the reason I did it was to help kids in foster care and, and that were adopted and help them, you know, like I was. But then I realized I don't want to be doing paperwork or sitting at a desk and I feel like I can make more of an impact by writing my book, eventually having a podcast, you know, TikTok, things like that. So. Yeah. Well, you reach so many people and you're not like involved in the machine. Like that's kind of what I feel like, like go to work every day. You're behind the desk. You got to like do the hours. You go to these pointless meetings. You're just part of this machine that keeps going. So yeah. I looked into, um, did you ever look into how education was started in America? Um, in terms of like Rockefeller? Yeah. Actually, I, I did. I, I heard that. So he said that he wanted to create, he didn't want to create thinkers. He wanted to create workers. Yeah. Or, you know, that's like another like viewpoint that I have that a lot of people won't agree on. I, you know, you know people call me like a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of truth to a lot of these conspiracies. And the whole reason why, you know, I would say 80% of the population are slaves to the system, right? 
They are going to nine to fives. They are working um, to barely afford, you know, food, shelter, anything else, necessities. And then they're basically dying working and like they'll barely get retirement. And then they just pass it on to their kids. Oh, go to school, go to college, work a nine to five, maybe be able to retire, die. Like that's just the whole system. That's what everyone's like trained to do. Be on the hamster, be a hamster on the hamster wheel, you know? And I'm like, no, fuck that. Like, you know, and growing up because education was so important, like I was like a person on the hamster wheel, like, oh, I have to go to school. The only way to be successful is if I get a degree and I become a lawyer. That's the only way, only way, only way. And then I realized that's not the only way. And I don't have to be a mouse on the freaking hamster wheel and I can think for myself. I can do the research on my own. And I think outside the pick the box, you know, I question the system, I question things. And they don't like that, you know? Yeah. So it's like How old are you when you started the like when you came to that realization of like you're in a you're you don't want to be in the box. How old are you when you realize that? Uh nineteen. Really? God damn. Yeah, you're, ahead, you're ahead of me and everything. I was, I was probably, that was probably like three years ago when I first realized it and I was doing the podcast. So I did radio for like 10 years before I moved and, and, and doing what I'm doing now. And then a couple of years ago, three years ago, we started doing a podcast and I started talking to, it started off as like all these local business owners. So they would come on and we talk about their business and how they got started. And, you know, the stories would always be the same. Like, I just got tired of my job. I took a leap of faith and then I just started this business or I would get off of work and I would come work on my business. And then finally, I just it, it always started that way. Right. And then finally, I was like, good Lord, like all these people seem they're working their asses off, but they're really happy doing what they really want to do. Um, so it's kind of like a that was my awakening is listening to all these people talk like there's like there's this life inside of like the normal conventional way of life of like go to school, get a job, take your kids to daycare, all that crap. But then there's like this other life that you can like tap into. So I agree. And the one thing I always tell everyone, right, is if you're not doing your passion, you're doing life wrong. Like you should be doing whatever you're passionate about and the money will come. You can't just be like, oh, well, what's going to make me the most money? And then you're going to be miserable the rest of your life because you chase the money. Whereas if you do what you're passionate about, you're going to love what you do. And if you can do it for free, you might as well get paid. So because I do modeling and starting to get in acting, I'm passionate about that. And I love being behind the camera. I love, you know, exploring all the creative sides of it. So if you're not doing what you're passionate about, you might as well just like not do it. You know, yeah. I, that's my well, That's a good way to look at it. Are nowadays with modeling and acting or even like film or you know, mini film creating, um, everything can be done on our phones now. And I just, I always think about what it's going to look like in like 10 years, like, I'm filming myself on this like Nikon Z62 camera. It was a three thousand dollar camera, but I don't think creators are going to need that in the next three or four years because the stuff that we can do with on our phones is pretty freaking amazing. It's insane, and now that AI is a thing, you know, like I think it's technology. You know, I think technology is beneficial, but I also think it's negative. I do wish that I was born in a generation with no technology. 
And, you know, some people are like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> but I think it has a lot of negative side effects, especially in relationships, especially with insecure, you know, insecurities, um, especially with, you know, a lot of the, the problem is, is people young now feel like they're losers and they're, they, they're not doing enough because they're not millionaires by the time they're 20. Hmm. Like you still have a childhood left to live, you know, a pre-adult um, time where you're trying to discover who you are. You don't have to be Forbes 30 under 30, you know, like you can still be on your journey and take your time. But there's just like a lot of downfalls of technology. Yes, there's positive sides of it as well. But I think, you know, Elon Musk said it himself, like he's more afraid of AI than the nuclear bombs that we have, which is skeptical. Like if, you know, if you really think about that, that's pretty scary. So, yeah, he said he's worried that we're, we are not, um, we're not approaching it with enough caution or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they're just trying to talk about having, instead of having soldiers or police officers having, you know, robots. Oh, well, that's such a great idea because then they're just going to shoot everybody they see in sight and have no moral compass. Like, you know, let's just, did we not uh, all watch iRobot? Yeah, I, I watched that. Oh. I watched, I watched all those, like, I think, you know, also movies have some truth to it. Like, oh, and get you, like, accustomed to stuff before we really drop it out on you. And having robots, like, go around and kill everyone, like, I definitely think that's in the future. I don't know if it's in the near future. I hope to God it's not. But it's scary to think about. Have you messed with uh, ChatGPT or Bard, the Google version of ChatGPT? So my friend showed me that a couple of months ago, I would say. And I was like, what is that? Like, I didn't even know what an AI was. And then he just, he like showed me how you can like type anything and like type this paper and it'll type something or give me ideas for this and it'll do this. And I'm like, where was this when I had college? Uh, like, you could have <laughs> cheated on everything. Like, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> There's a lot of people. So, there's a lot of people using it for work emails now. Like yeah. they, they want to reply back to it, so they'll copy and paste. Like, how would you reply back to this email? I know people at work uh, that are using it for work emails, which is fucking crazy. But now it's like, okay, we're already lazy as it is, and now you guys are becoming even more lazy. And computers are completely taking over. Next thing you know, it you're gonna think a thought, and the computer's gonna type it out for you. Like, well, that's crazy. coming, right? That's what Elon Musk yeah. is working on. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. What, what is that called that he's working on? The the neuro plant is that what, or neuro? Is it the the thing you're talking about consciousness? I don't know. Is he that? it so it's. It's first going to be used for people with paralysis and, you know, who have, who can't use certain parts of their brain to move bodies, uh, certain you know, parts of their body. But I think um, he said that it's going to, like, you're going to be able to hear people's thoughts eventually. Have you heard that? I haven't heard that. I heard where he is going to have a chip that takes, that's in the back of your neck that takes your consciousness and you can take it out when you die, your physical body dies yeah. and you transfer it to another body and you just live forever. I'm like, what? I heard that too. Yeah. 
well, that so, shit is crazy. So you said you're, uh, that some of your friends consider you a, a conspiracy theorist. What is, what is one of the most, um, well-known conspiracy theorists that are theories that you believe in? Um, well, I think that there are aliens. Yeah. I, I think there are, well, think about it, right? There's gotta be, or right? Earth. Huh? I said there's gotta be, right? Yeah. We're earth, right? Tiny little, not even a speck. I think I just pulled my eyelash. Sorry. Okay. A, a little speck in the universe, right? There has to be millions, if not other, you know, planets, living beings. Maybe they don't look like us, but there has to be some sort of other living existence out there. Now, do I think aliens are, like, on planet Earth? Possibly. Are they flying around in UFOs, like they say? Like, I don't know. Maybe. But do I think they exist? Yes. Why do I think this? They Like, why am I so confident? I'm going to sound crazy, but I have interacted with an alien. And it, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But I have. And it was the most absurd. And I wasn't on drugs. You know, most people will be like, oh, well, you were probably on drugs. Like, no, I was sober. And it happened. And it was a crazy experience. But that's kind of got how I got my confirmation. Like, they exist. So what do you mean you interacted with one? So I was in Miami and at the time I was kind of like just chilling on my bed. And I remember asking the, the, I believe in the universe, right? God is the universe. We are all one. And I remember looking out my window and I'm like, oh, well, I'm open to the idea that aliens exist, but I'm the type of person that I need to see it to believe it, right? And I just kept saying, like, oh, I'm going to be open to the idea um, if they do exist. And if they don't, then that's okay. That's cool, too. And I remember sitting on my bed, and my friend was there with me. And he went out into the kitchen to go get something. I kid you not. The next thing I know it, this little, like, creature was standing at the foot of my bed. And I was just, like, staring at him, and he telepathically communicated to me. Like, there was his mouth was not moving. My mouth was not moving. But he asked me, he was like, hi, how are you? And I was like, what the, like, what are you? Like, what is going on? You know, I was, like, trying not to panic. But I also kind of felt calm. Like, it was a very, like, calm feeling or presence, I guess you could say. And he was like, I just want to experience a human body just for, like, a second. And I was like, okay. And he was like, can I have permission to go into into your body? And I was like, okay, mind you, I have no mental, like, I don't have schizophrenia. I don't have mental disorders. <laughs> I should clarify that. Um, but I was like, okay. So he went into my body and it was like my consciousness left my body. I don't know where it went, but his came into my body and I took on who he was. Like, it, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, he came into me, and all of a sudden, I saw through his eyes. And my finger, like, I, like, he did this whole thing, like, stretched out his fingers. He was looking at his uh, hands, and they were long, and they were, like, um, kind of like the Grinch, like, long and pointy. And he was just kind of, like, fascinated. And he was doing all these, like, um, movements like this, like, touching himself, my face. But, like, again, it's him and me and he was like wow and he had like i could feel how the difference of the eyes and everything it was crazy and he was like wow this is amazing and then my guy friend 
walked in the door and immediately it was gone. And I was just standing there frozen. And he was like, you look like you just saw a ghost. And I was like, yo, you're not going to believe what just happened. And he did not believe me. But it was insane. And, like, it was really cool. But at the same time, so strange, you know? So your body changed? Like, you could see the hands that were out? Your hands were different? Yes. Like, it was physically different. And I could even feel how my face might have looked different i wasn't like in front of a mirror or anything so i couldn't see that but i could see my hands and i could feel how different my face felt and i his voice was like so you know sometimes when you think thoughts in your head it was his thoughts and his own voice and it sounded so weird and like it was so interesting and every time i tell people that they like don't believe me so did it scare you how did you feel afterwards after I was kind of like, I want to, I want more. I was kind of like, I want to experience more of this kind of like, I was kind of addicted to the feeling of such a, like the, such a crazy experience that I was like, I want to see more. Like, what is there? There has to be more to this, you know? Uh, after that, I never had an experience like that again, but I'd no, be down. <laughs> normally, uh, when people talk about experiences that they had, they're, they're kind of scared or frightened because they no, feel like they've been violated like, or something. I, I was, like, at first when he showed up at my bed, I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> I was kind of like, what? And then, but again, his presence was so calming. So I wasn't scared. And again, you have to, he had to have, I had to have given him permission to do that. If I said no, then that would have, that situation would have never happened. Um, but I did give him permission. And like I said, I don't know where my brain went. Cause it wasn't my brain. It was like somebody else's. It was like his in me. It was so hard to explain, but, um, what did this, this alien look like? Um, he was very short. He was darkish Brown. I would say like, he kind of looked like the dirt color, but with like green tint to it. Kind of, he did have very like big eyes, but they were black and he had a mouth that was small. And like I said, the mouth didn't move. So it was kind of just like, he's just like staring at me, but talking to me in my head. And like, I was talking back to him in my head. And another thing is, is he was telling me, because I was like, what language are you speaking? I asked him that. And he was like, it's the universal language. And he said that if you knew that humans, if they were raising, like if they were at a high vibration and they were all connected as one, we could do this together to each other just like he can. And I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, there would be no need for languages, which cause division. Hmm. He said there would be a unified language of this, which we're doing right now, which is mind to mind. But humans are so far behind, they won't get there, you know, at least not for a long time, he said. And I was like, that's so crazy. This is in this. I don't, I believe you first off. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying this is crazy, but I don't mean, you're crazy. But uh, how long did this experience last? I would say it was like five minutes. It was so short. That's why I was oh. like, it was such a crazy feeling only to be like gone. And I really think it was because my guy friend came into the door. Uh, if he had maybe waited out in the kitchen longer or done whatever he was doing longer, maybe it would have lasted longer. But yeah, as soon as he walked in, it was literally instantly gone. And I was just like, wait. <laughs> That's... That's in, so nothing happened strange like 
any similar situations before this? No. No? Uh, and again, people are like, are you sure you weren't on drugs? Are you sure you don't have a mental you know, condition? I'm like, no. Did you fall and asleep? Could you have been falling asleep? I was wide awake. I was even, I was sitting up. I was wide awake watching TV. And like I said, me and my friend were like just chilling, like having conversation. We were both wide awake and it wasn't late at all. It was probably like 6, 7 p.m. Dang. But you didn't freak you out at all, huh? No. I mean, again, initially, like seeing him, I was just like, what the fuck? But then again such a calming presence i did not feel scared i didn't feel like i was in danger um he did say he was one of the nice ones which makes me think that there are extraterrestrials out there that are you know bad or not with the best intention but yeah he was he was just really sweet little dude and i again i don't know if it was a guy or a girl there was no gender that was another thing um there was no gender there was no gender no, no gender, no private parts. Like it was kind of interesting. That's and wild. the voice was very neutral. Like it was, it could have been a deep girl voice or a high guy voice, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh my god, that's so scary! Yeah. I would have pissed my pants. I would have been scared. Well, I like I don't know. I was just like again, like I I feel like I could have been terrified and like freaked out, but his. It was just something so calm about it. Hmm. Any other crazy experiences like that? Not necessarily with aliens, but any cool ones like uh, that? Yeah. Like, I've had experiences where I have had dreams and they came true. Hmm. Um, I've had deja vu to the point where, for, like, for example, I'll think a thought and then two seconds later it happens, but I'm awake, I'm conscious. Um, when I meet somebody, I have very good intuition, so I can tell if they're a good person, if they're a bad person. I've also, crazy enough, been able to kind of like predict, I guess, but I, I have a knowing of how somebody or specifically who is going to fuck me over. So I've met girls that instantly when I met them, I was like, they're a bitch, they're going to do something bad. But then I become friends with them. And then later down the road, they do me dirty. And I was like, well, if I listened to my first initial thought, this would not have happened. Mm. Same with guys. I knew every single, uh, the three guys that I was with, um, I knew that each and every single one of them was cheating on me. And I knew the girl's faces before I knew. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. One example is, right? So this was a guy I wasn't dating, but I was planning on dating. And we were talking for a while. And he had made us exclusive. And um, I was, like, very skeptical. And I was like, are you sure you're not sleeping with anyone? You're not seeing anyone? And he was like, no. So I was like, okay. The first time and the only time we had sex, while we were having sex, I closed my eyes. And somehow there was a visualization of a girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, freckles right here. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I didn't think much of it. I was like, maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. And then again, I asked him, like, are you sure we're exclusive? And he said, yes. That following, like, two days later, that following week, I literally saw him post on Instagram his girlfriend who had blonde hair, blue eyes, and freckles right here. And I knew. I was like, that's the girl I saw in my head. 
and that I had asked him, are we exclusive? But he had a whole girlfriend. And I'm like, what the fuck? Hold on, so, so he, I blocked him. he hold on, he posted so there wasn't any other like post with a girl on his Instagram? No. Um, Holy shit. That's yeah, cr- and I trust me, I fact check. I want <laughs> I really want to make sure. But again, Damn. He posted like three years together, like a uh, on his story, you know. And I was like, "Wow." Did you uh? Did you let her know what happened? Um, I messaged her. She never opened it. Um, I don't know if he deleted it or she just never saw it. Um, but that was just it. And I blocked him. Never saw him again. Dang, that's crazy. Well, Mariah, it's been really fun talking to you. Uh, I love. <laughs> it's been actually really, really fun talking to you. Um, you're a very interesting person and I, I love the vibes and energy that, uh, that I'm getting from you. How can people follow along, uh, on your social media? So my Instagram is M A R I Y A underscore M I L L A N. And then my TikTok is M A R I Y A underscore A L L E N. Awesome. So, how do you pronounce your last name again? Love to. Okay. Uh, well, my whole name is Mariah Milan Allen Blaz. Okay. You have a yeah. really cool name. Thank my, you. My name is John Alba. Just boring as fuck. John Alba. Just <laughs> <laughs> boring as fuck. <laughs> Sounds like a movie character. Yeah, uh, it should be. Well, <laughs> I appreciate your time. It was fun talking to you, and I'll link all your social media in the podcast show notes, and I'll let you know when this thing comes out. Thank you. And it was really fun. Great vibes, like you said. Um, and I appreciate everything, the good conversation. And yeah. we should do this again. Uh, absolutely. I'm excited for you and I, and I wish you success. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.